You can turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile, and you are still in your sin. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people, must be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, mm -hmm. the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So live today as if you are leaving. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Cheryl. Good to see you all on this Easter Sunday. You all look really nice. <laughs> I just want to give glory to God to everybody who made special effort for this morning. Could you just join me in thanking the Lord for them? A special thank you to those who are working in our children's department today. Uh, they have decided they are going to minister to our children so you could be in here. We don't have multiple services, so they don't have the option that you have. If you would just do me a favor and on your way out, just tell them how grateful you are for their service. Would you do that, please? Yeah, can we give glory to God for them? Yeah. I'm Pastor Michael, lead pastor here at Summit, and I'm just going to work this text that Cheryl has just read uh, for, for, for all of us. You know, there must be people in this world who are just, who are just way more spiritual than I am. I've, I've heard them say things like, if I were to live my entire life for Jesus Christ, only to come to the end and discover that I was wrong, it would have been worth it. But Paul here doesn't seem to agree, does he? I mean, if you look there at verse 19, he is being persecuted daily for his faith, as are many throughout the world. I don't know if you've seen the news. Christians among the most persecuted group, uh, martyrdoms unlike any time in history before. In verse 19, Paul says that if we're wrong about what we believe, then we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, if the gospel isn't true, then, then you might as well throw all restraint to the wind and just go party hardy. I mean, you know? I mean, just go for it. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you die. End of story. There must be those people who are more spiritual than, than I am, because I've heard them say things like, ours is a life of faith and, and not a life of, of sight, and therefore we're supposed to love God for who He is and not for what He gives. 
And, and I'll just kind of want to say, uh, excuse me, uh, question, please. I think I understand what it is you're saying here. It's kind of like marriage, right? I mean, you really shouldn't marry someone for what they have. Don't marry them for fame, money, power. Marry the person for who the person is and not for what they have. I mean, is that what you're talking about? Sure. And it's a, it's a good rule of thumb for marriage. But we need to be absolutely clear this morning. Why are these super spiritual people in our world so into denying the fact that God really does enjoy giving good gifts to his children? In fact, listen to this statement. It says, God will be most glorified in me when at last I am most satisfied in him. It's not about a life of luxury. It's not a life of complacency. It's not about a life of fruitlessness. It's about a, a life, a, a state of contentment and, and satisfaction that, that carries us beyond what we may have or, or what we may not have to this place where we can actually be about God's business. We were created to give him glory, ambassadors for his kingdom, being workers of the harvest. The Lord is my shepherd. He never leaves me wanting. You see, unlike we human beings, who God is and what God gives are inseparable because it's out of God's nature that he does what he does. So you can't sacrifice who he is from what he gives. You can't separate what he does from who he is. You could get married to a person who's, who has great wealth, great fame, great, great power, and, and, and they have the potential of losing it all. And the question becomes at that point, will you still love them? Love is proved in the absence of what the other person can give to you. But God will never, ever lose what he has to offer. He is who he is, and he gives out of who he is. In fact, he designed this universe in such a way that he is the foundation of infinite joy and infinite satisfaction. So we do really well to rest in the truth that God really does supply for our needs and that we need to trust him in that. And this is so important on this Resurrection Sunday, especially because of our text here, 1 Corinthians 15. It highlights how the resurrection of Jesus Christ satisfies five of the deepest needs and longings of our soul. It's who he is. <laughs> so, so my hope this morning is that each of us will recognize the significance of, of these gifts. My hope is that we'll embrace the, the reality that the risen and living Christ is the answer to these needs in our lives. And, and, and my hope is that we will find satisfaction in him so that he truly may be glorified in us. Now, I need you to notice that each of these things are, are stated in a negative fashion because Paul is confronting a Greek influence in the church that would suggest there is no resurrection from the dead. And, and he argues that if there's no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has rose. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then verse 14 all this preaching is just blabbing into the wind, right? Your faith is useless. 
You get to verse 15, you represent lies about God, therefore you are a false witness. Verse 17, you're still trapped in your sins. Verse 18, your loved ones who died and have gone on before you are lost forever. And then verse 19, you are among those to be most pitied. Of all human beings, you are among those most to be pitied. But Paul isn't arguing against the resurrection here, is he? He's presenting a case for the resurrection, and he's using the contrary to talk about the things that can't possibly be without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So these things must be seen from a positive perspective. We should turn them around, and we should say, hold on just a minute. Christ really has risen from the dead, therefore Preaching really does matter. Faith counts for everything. We do tell the truth about God. Our sin is forgiven. Those who have died in Christ are forever in his kingdom. And we, of all people, are most to be blessed. <laughs> yeah. So, I really... Uh, you know, this whole gift thing and, and how life evolves. You remember when you were a kid, excited about all the gifts you were going to get? And, and then, then you get older, right? And you realize, you know, wow, I really like giving people gifts that, that matter. Well, my family still wants to give to me. And, and so what can they give to me that, that most will, will bless me? So what I've done is I've come to the place where I've said, hey, just give me a gift card to a restaurant don't worry if it'll cover the whole bill. I'll take care of the balance, but just give me a gift, for a gift, gift card for a restaurant so that we can go out together and enjoy time together because what I really value is my time with you. Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, that's what we're talking about. But, um, but that evolved because uh, at first I, I tried a little trick that I said, uh, hey, uh, just give me something that will benefit us all. I couldn't believe what they gave me. They gave me a new wallet. <laughs> yeah, we can all get something out of Dad's wallet, right? Yeah, that's been going on forever. I don't need a token to show it. <laughs> it's the reality. But I want us to look at these things. I want us to discuss why they're so valuable. They do represent what we preach, the really good news. Verse 14 clearly states that preaching does matter, and therefore our faith counts for everything. So the first one is faith. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you can be confident that your faith is well-founded. Or let's put it in a little bit more practical terms. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you can absolutely trust him. A couple had been married for 38 years when all of a sudden, one is walking away from the other in pursuit of a new love. It's a betrayal of trust. You enter into a lease on a home that you know you cannot possibly afford. And it's okay because you have friends who have said verbally that they would commit to sharing the space and they would commit to sharing the expense. But it's your name that's on the contract, and all of a sudden, they're walking out because of a better option, leaving you hanging with something you can't afford. It's a betrayal of trust. Valerie and I once 
entrusted our life savings to a, a friend in the church who promised to invest it well for us and ended up getting robbed of everything that we had put aside. It's a betrayal of trust. We all have our own stories, but trust, it, deep in the heart of every person is a longing to know there's somebody that can be counted on no matter what. So when I perform weddings, still as part of the vows, we say, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Because relationships thrive when people share deep commitments with one another. It's good to have people in your life that you know won't let you down, people who will be there for you. And because Jesus conquered the grave, you can be sure he won't let you down. On, on Friday... The disciples probably wondered about that. On Saturday, those feelings probably intensified. But then come Sunday, there he was again. And because of that, you can absolutely count on him. You know, when God put the man and the woman in, in the garden, it was a secure place. It was, it was a safe place. And we still need a place like that. What God, what, what God messed up because of man's rebellion has absolutely been restored through Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus proves his love for us and his resurrection proves you can trust him. He's someone you can count on. He will be everything that he has promised to be. Yeah, yeah. So that's the first gift. The second gift is, is the gift of fact. And if you look at verse 14, the first part of the verse, verse 15, because Jesus rose from the dead, this preaching really does matter. And if you are a believer and, and a, a, an ambassador for him and you understand that, you are a true witness. So the first question was, who can you trust really? The second question is, what can you believe? Now, I wanted you to see the sign that I brought here. Uh, should have that on the PowerPoint. I was walking one day when I noticed this. Can you see what's wrong with that sign? Uh, um, you know, we out in Carriage Hills, uh, it's been kind of difficult as we're waiting for roads to be rebuilt. And uh, oftentimes we find uh, tourists uh, in uh, blind meandering, not sure where to go. <laughs> And then you come across a sign like this, and, and you have to ask your yourself the question, did that sign get this way because of strong winds, or did somebody in the neighborhood just want people to know this road is closed? Because what word is missing? The word through. The road is closed to through traffic, and that's not even true. Because there is access from that road, but I brought it this morning because road signs should represent truth. Yeah, the news should represent truth. Anybody want to snicker on that one? Yeah, yeah. Leaders should build on platforms of truth, and teachers and professors, they should convey truth. And it's this huge irony how, on one hand, we're always hearing about truth being spun, yet on the other hand, we're hearing there is no absolute truth, so you have to wonder, which is it? Is there absolute truth or not? How can you spin truth if there is no truth? And friends, truth is foundational to our very existence. It's, it's significant in a deep need of the human soul. It's foundational to, to building strong lives and strong societies. Yet there seems to be this, this, this innate need for anarchy. 
I mean, to destroy truth at all costs. So that, hey, everybody, you just do whatever's right in your own eyes. I mean, because because that theory believes that, you know, we're all basically good. And all we have to do is bring the good out of one another. But, but the reality is that this is the beginning of a collapse of something that once was very good. So embracing truth and knowing truth is, is like a wise man who decided to build his house, and he built it on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew and, and beat against that. We don't know anything about that in Estes Park, do we? Yeah. The wind blew and beat against the house, but it didn't fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on a rock. But the foolish man decided he would build his house on sand. That same rain came down. That same stream rose. That same wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And friends, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you can be sure that there is a rock to build your house on, your spiritual house, a rock to build your life on. It's the rock of truth. Yeah. There's a truth about how love is supposed to work and how relationships are supposed to work. There's, there's a truth about what is right and, and what is wrong. There's truth about how we got here and, and why we are here. It's a foundation of life at its best. It's the gift of truth. Well, there's a third gift, and, and that gift is forgiveness. If you look at verse 17, our sins are forgiven because Jesus rose from the dead. You can know your sins are forgiven. And forgiveness answers the question, why is this world so messed up? And, and what you begin to discover is this. We've inherited this sin nature. Not only that, but we have a tendency to make choices that we know against our greater good. I mean, something in us longs to be about the right things, but, but we keep giving in to the wrong thing. Well, what happened? God is the source of everything that's right. God, God is the source of everything that's good. Sin separated us from that. So if we're separated from all that is good and all that is right, then what are we left with? The Bible says even that creation has been groaning in this state, waiting for its redemption. And this is so foundational in our understanding of what's going on. Something has been broken and it needs to be fixed. And you've got a choice. You can put your hope in man's ability to fix it. But the Bible says something different. It says our hope must hang on forgiveness. Our hope doesn't depend on society telling us there's nothing wrong with us. You're okay. I'm okay. I mean, if that were true, then how is it that the more we justify ourselves in our own eyes, the emptier we feel? It's because everything hangs on being restored to God, who alone is the source of all that is right and all that is good. So someone says, well, hold on a minute. How is the resurrection connected to forgiveness? I mean, wasn't it the death of Jesus that, that paid the price for our sins? Yeah, but you also have to understand the resurrection connection. It's, it's, it's huge. The Bible says that Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Through his death, 
He paid the penalty of our sin, and by his resurrection, he sealed that pardon. So everybody in this room is in need of forgiveness. We have a tendency to want to hide in the shadows, you know, not be found out, not be exposed for what you really are, right? Yeah, and God says, come out, come out, wherever you are. Ollie, ollie, income free. Faith in Christ. We have a tendency to want to justify ourselves in our own eyes, but it's only in allowing God's light to shine into our inner beings, exposing what's wrong, that he can begin to make the repairs. Yeah. I found it interesting that mechanics use stethoscopes to do their work. I mean, they don't look like, quite like a doctor's stethoscope. They have the same earpiece, right? But they don't have that little pad that, you know, you hope the doctor will warm up before he touches your chest, right? Instead, they have this long probe, and they can stick it down the engine compartment and touch metal to actually determine approximately where the noise is coming from. Let God put his probe into the depths of your soul to reveal your desperate need for a Savior. Ali, Ali, income free. Come out, come out, wherever you are. Another gift is the gift of forgiveness, verse 18. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you can be sure of eternal joy. So just think about eternal joy. Wow, it's not superficial. And it answers the question, what does your future hold? I uh, took my youngest daughter to Prague in Czech Republic. We were there doing English speaking camps, and we had a, an opportunity to walk through a crypt right off the, the square there in, in old, old Prague. And we're walking by the remains of all of these corpses when I was just captivated by these words. Just imagine it. Pause, stranger, when you pass me by. As I am now, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. You know, it was chilling. It was thought-provoking. I was looking for that crib on, on, crypt on, on the web one, one day when I saw another crypt with a similar statement. And beneath it, someone had posted these words that said, To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. Yeah. So funeral directors, you know, funeral directors are, are interesting people. And, and over the years, funeral directors have, uh, have talked to me about their observation of a significant difference between the death of a person who has faith in Jesus Christ and the person who doesn't have faith in Jesus Christ. So on one partic particular occasion, I was, I was really curious and, and I said, well, what have you noticed? And he said, well, the, the, the funeral of a non-believer is, is so fine, final. I mean, there might be some nice pictures and a few stories about what a wonderful person this was, but that's it. There's nothing beyond that. In contrast, you go to a funeral of a believer, and you find it has those same elements, but it also has this element of hope. There's this, this idea of celebration and the sense that the best is always in front of that person. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. We were at the death of a three-month-old this, this week. And a family's holding on to hope of being reunited 
with that child. It's amazing. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis said, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for this present world are precisely those who thought the most of the next. In another writing, he said, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, you can be sure you have a great future, a significant future. Yeah, in fact, this final one really, really builds on this, and I needed an F word, so I chose the word fortune. Uh, It's pretty fun to come up with these (laughs) words, but the text actually suggests because Jesus rose from the dead, you are of all people to be most envied, and it answers the question, what will your legacy be? What kind of legacy will you leave behind? You see, whatever price you might pay for Jesus Christ, whether it be in sacrifice or in persecution, you can be sure it will have been worth it in the end. The Bible says our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You see, the best deal of all is to know that our lives mattered, that they really counted for something, something that mattered, not just for a moment, but beyond us, way beyond us. In fact, for all eternity. Paul knew this, and so he ends this section, which Cheryl read for us a moment ago with these words. He says, just with great encouragement, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you, always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord what's those last four words is not in vain it will have been worth it you see the greatest news in all the world is that God will be most glorified in you when you are most satisfied in him have you received his gifts More importantly, I mean, they're all trumped by one, the one and only greatest gift. We have the five gifts here. But today, we have the greatest gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you read on, there's a tragedy. It said, but people rejected him because they were clinging to their personal darkness. But today, I pose the question on you. Are you finally at a place where you're willing to let go of clinging to your personal darkness, come into the light, be exposed before the living God, before you will be exposed to him at the judgment, be exposed to him today, Turn around and say, Jesus, I'm coming home. I realize I've been doing life my way, and today I want to do life. With your help, your power, I want to begin living life your way. Come into my life. You be the captain of my life. You make me the kind of person you created me to be. Consider that for just a moment.
Are you making a decision for him? Inside of your bulletins, you'll find this response card. One side is mostly white. It says guest card. The other side says connections and prayer card. There's a place to write your name and some information. And then below that, there are some statements that might apply to you this morning. This morning, I accepted Christ as my Savior today. I would like to know more about how to become a Christian. I am renewing my commitment to Christ today. And then the fourth one, I would like to know more about being baptized. Do any of those apply to you this morning? If they do, will you please just mark them, the ones that apply? And in just a moment, we're going to take, we're going to worship in our giving, and you'll have a chance to put these cards in the offering. Just pray these words. Lord, what is it that you're wanting me to hear from this teaching today?